Live to see it, friends. You're listening to Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Fast Forward Radio is an audio production of The Speculist, and you can find us online at speculist.com. That's S-P-E-C-U-L-I-S-T dot com. Or go straight to the blog at blog.speculist.com. At The Speculist and on Fast Forward Radio, we talk about what's happening in the world today and where we think the world is going, and we have a pretty unique perspective on that. We believe that if you're not excited about the future, you're not paying attention, and uh, we demonstrate that by doing things like, oh, taking a couple hours and showing how to solve all the world's problems, that sort of thing. <laughs> my name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me, as always, is my co-blogger, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I'm uh, super fantastic. I'm, uh, as I had mentioned in our email uh, b- b- before the show started, I'm in Las Vegas this this weekend. I've just started the uh, annual, um, I don't I don't call it Hell Week, but uh, probably the most intense week of the year for Sybase employees. This is uh, this is TechWave, our annual user conference is going on this week. So I've been working up to it over the last couple of weeks, which is why my my blogging has been a little on the light side. And now I'm actually here. Um, uh, have worked all day today in, uh, uh, on, on setting some things up, and it's just got a really intense week coming up. L- really excited about it, really looking forward to it, and uh, going to be really glad when it's over at the end of this week. So, Well, and, and, uh, as attorneys, uh, we have like continuing legal education. Is that what this amounts to? Uh, Absolutely, yeah. For, for, uh, for people who use Sybase software, uh, for our, our database administrators and developers who use Power Builder and uh, hey hey I'm actually talking some Sybase here I should get yeah, uh, compensated yeah. for this um, but yeah they they, they come and uh, it's it's largely uh, training but we also have an exhibit floor um, where, where our partners and where we show our uh, what we're doing with products right now we have customer advisory boards focus groups um, uh, hospitality suites so it's you know every bit of interaction you can have with the with the customers and partners that you fit into a week you, you make it all happen during this week it's uh, well you, you you all picked an interesting place to have it las vegas is las vegas is a great place great, great town <laughs> it's an exciting place I've, I've not i've not worn it out just yet so well we've we've had it here many times we've had it in orlando a number of times uh we used to have it in san diego um, and I always enjoyed getting uh, getting down to San Diego, but uh, lately we've been having it uh, in Las Vegas, and that does seem. Uh, w- one thing I've observed, uh, it, it being in marketing and doing a lot of trade shows and conferences and things, is you never have a hard time getting people to come to Las Vegas. You know, <laughs> that they, they always show up, so uh, that's that's kind of the that's kind of the good side. So anyway, that's 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 what's uh, that's what's new with me. What's what's going on with you? Oh, not much. Uh, just actually having a uh, relatively uneventful week this week. I got to see a, a great movie um, yesterday. Now, this is one that's on DVD. It's uh, Kingdom of Heaven, but I saw the director's cut. And have you have you seen the theatrical cut or the director's cut yet, Phil? I I saw that in the cinema, and uh, I've seen it subsequently on TV at least once. I, I enjoyed yeah. that movie quite a bit. I I, I thought it was well made. Uh, word is, and I've not ever seen the theatrical cut. I just saw the rather lengthy uh, director's cut last night. Word is that it's a completely different movie. Just about, it's a different experience. Uh, uh, it, it adds a adds a lot of depth uh, in the in, in the director's cut. And it was, uh, I, I thought it was outstanding. I thought it was a great movie, and I can't believe I had not seen it in one form or another before. But that was the first time for me, and uh, highly recommend it. It's it's very political. Uh, um, this is a, a, a movie. It has political statements to make, and not all of which I agree with. 
But uh, it's a movie about the Crusades, and obviously uh, the conflict in this movie is between Christians and Muslims. And, uh, yeah, it makes some political statements, not all of which I agree with, but I thought it was outstanding, uh, the way it was done and how well it was done, and so I'd, I'd recommend it to anybody. And, yeah, I, th- I thought I thought it was really well made. I, I think that it, it it's a mistake to transpose the politics of the crusade to read them in the, the politics of the crusades too heavily into the politics of what's happening in the world today. That would be my only. I, and I don't know if that's if that's exactly what Ridley Scott was doing. I don't know if he was saying this is a definitive statement about the Middle East today. Maybe maybe that that is what he was doing. Although you definitely see the parallels, and I think you see. Major differences too between yeah. uh, b- between w- the way things were there at, at that time and the way they are um, today. But uh, yeah, I, I I just thought it was a really a really cool movie and it dealt dealt with some uh, some pretty complex stuff and a very fascinating period of history and and pulled it all off in a in a really good way. I'm just I'm, I'm kind of a big Ridley Scott fan anyway. He makes yeah yeah he, he absolutely good director. Um, and the other thing I'm excited about uh, is coming up on Tuesday. Uh, Lonesome Dove is going to be out uh, for the first time on Blu-ray, and uh, and, and they're doing also a uh, a new DVD release that will, for the first time, uh, have a theatrical aspect ratio for Lonesome Dove and uh, 5.1 surround sound. So whether you want to get it on DVD or Blu-ray, there'll be a new version of Lonesome Dove out on Tuesday, and um, I'm excited about that. Well, you know, I, we can make the case that uh, Kingdom of Heaven is uh, connected to the speculus because we were talking about terrorism and, you know, relations with the Arab world and all that kind of stuff on the program last week. Uh, t- to talk Lonesome Dove on this show, I think we have to default to the old, because it's our hour and we can talk about whatever we want to, uh, t- to get to that. But you know who's a big Lonesome Dove fan? Right behavior in the man. <laughs> Won't tolerate it. <laughs> <laughs> that of course was Woodrow. Yeah, you jump you jumped the gun on that because I was just about to uh, I was about to bring on our chat host Michael Darling and ask him if he didn't have some rude comment he wanted to make about Lonesome Dove. I have nothing rude to say about Lonesome Dove, although I did suggest in the chat that perhaps the thing to look for is will the cows look any better in Blu-ray? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, these these are going to be uh, some beautiful cows. I tell you. <laughs> well, yeah, it was cows. I, I was thinking, hmm, did they? Was it horses? No, it was cows. So, for the most part, yeah. Um, well, it's a cool it's a cool movie. I, Lonesome Dove is just one of the. I mean, it really captures the, uh, the the feel of the old. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there, but it it, it captures what I like to think it was like. Um, and the, you know, it's a real nostalgic kind of a story. These guys on this big cattle drive up to Montana. Um, they, they sort of represent one era of the West, and there's this other kind of era that's sort of setting in, and the two don't go together that well. I think it's a it's a really neat story. I've got a trivia question for both you and Michael, Phil, and uh, I want to see if uh, y'all can y'all can get it. Lonesome Dove, of course, won the Pulitzer Prize. Uh, it was a novel, and then it was turned into a uh, um, to a miniseries. Uh, that most people have seen they, <laughs> who had, did not bother to read the novel. But uh, before it was a novel, it started life as as something else, and uh, it was a it was a movie script, and it was going to be a normal theatrical length movie, and it was being written with uh, two actors in mind to play Woodrow and Gus. Can you name those actors? Wow. Is Jodie Foster one of them? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to say, okay, well, uh, it's just hard to imagine anybody other than Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Robert Duvall playing those two parts. But How long I'm, ago was it written? 
Um, let's say it was in development in the uh, uh, late 60s, early 70s. Well, John Wayne was still alive. He'd have been awesome. Yeah. That's one. Who was John the other? Wayne and who's uh, going to be the other? Jimmy Stewart. Get Jimmy back Stewart, you got it. You got it. Oh, there it oh, is. Very good. Okay. Yeah, get it back together. Henry the... Fonda, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, Henry Fonda and Jimmy Stewart made movies together, but I'm trying to think, other than The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, I think that the John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart never had a movie together, did they, other than that one? Except for that one, which is the only one they needed to make together. Well, well there you go. That, that was awesome, wasn't it? That was a great movie. But, yeah, it would have been cool to see an early version of Lonesome Dove with those with Jimmy Stewart <laughs> and John Wayne. But you're right. Um, um, you know, Tommy Lee Jones and... And Robert Duvall own those roles now, though. But let, let me just make this into a speculist discussion and say one day when we have access to information in parallel universes, we will be able to watch that movie, and that would be very cool. <laughs> hey, George oh. Lucas has been wanting to make movies without actors and just use the virtual actors for a long time. If he ever pulls it off, that would be the first one to do. Yeah, you just, just pay the estates of those actors, you know. Uh, that, that's another possibility. That's another possibility. We could have com- computer-generated uh John Wayne, who would know the difference anyway, and computer-generated gen- uh, Jimmy Stewart together, um, yeah, m- making a brand-new movie. So two possibilities for how we can one day see that film. We, we don't have to be uh, wistful about it. Okay, well, I'm going to shift gears w- real fast because we've got an awful lot of ground to cover here this evening. And um, I, I mentioned in the opening that we're, uh, that, that we're looking to solve half of the world's problems tonight. We solved one half last week, and we're solving another half this week. Now, the, the reason this came about, we thought we would... Uh, uh, we've been talking a lot about entertainment and, and, and uh, various very specific subjects on Fast Forward Radio over the last few weeks. We thought it would be uh, fun to take on some big, challenging topics and and talk, you know, seriously, if not... Uh, if, if not to the to the final degree of detail about how how some of the biggest problems that the world is facing can be solved, so we took on uh, last week. What what were the problems that we solved last week? We talked about crime, and um, we talked about um, shoot, the environment. Was actually we, we talked poverty, I believe, was another one. And what else did uh, we let's, solve? Let's, I'll just pull it up. Sorry, <laughs> we didn't have it handy. Something else. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, eliminate crime, uh, abolish hunger and poverty, and end terrorism. So, terrorism. That's right. Yeah, of course. Terrorism that's how we, was our third segment. That's how. That's that's how Kingdom of Heaven relates to the program. So, <laughs> so, so we came up. We came up with. We had some good discussion about that, and we're very much looking for listeners to uh, participate in this discussion um, because we we you know we're. I think realistic enough to know that between the two of us and with Michael, the three of us, we're we're good for about eighty percent of solving the world's problems. But we need that other twenty percent from you know some other people to to kick in. So so what we did was I've sprung for a uh, limited edition, one of a kind at, at this point, at the, at the point that it's going to be produced, fast forward radio coffee mug, which is going to be awarded to the uh, caller if somebody decides to call in, or the chat participant who gives the best idea for how to solve the world's problems. So we're, we, we've got a good competition going. Last week, Harvey Espatulo, our good buddy, uh, suggested um, desalinization of, of seawater as a means of ending 
poverty, which was excellent. And Matt, uh, not to be outdone, Matt doing, uh, wrote in on the chat room and suggested uh, some alternatives to kind of like lifestyle alternatives that might help people avoid going into terrorism. So we've got a neck-and-neck neck race right now between those two guys for the coffee mug. Not sure, really, uh, between the two of them who, who's gonna, who, who, would get the, who would get the mug, but we've still got these other three topics to get through tonight. So if either Harvey or Matt uh, come in with, uh, with additional ideas on top of the ones they've had, they, we might get a clear winner, or someone else might come through and say, hey, I've got uh, the ultimate solution to disease, and they might end up with a coffee mug at this point. So it's a uh, well, it's Phil. We also have another contributor who contributed with a comment uh, to last week's uh, show notes. Uh, so, not live, but uh, you know, I, I feel like we should at least mention it. Uh, her name is Leslie uh, Kirshner, and she blogs at uh, Stop and Consider. And yeah, uh, her her. The comment is, uh, while it's hard uh, to know uh, all the causes and, and drop-in crime observed in the 90s that were, you were discussing, I do think there are many types of crime will natu naturally decrease as technology of the future arrives in a couple of key areas. And she goes into artificial intelligence and a couple of other things that we actually did kind of get into last week. So, Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, I guess we'll allow we will since since the program is recorded and and more people I think listen to it in that form than listen to it live. We're going to have to go ahead and allow uh, uh, comments after the fact to to be to be uh, in the competition as well. So, yeah. it, it, with that in mind, I guess we'll have to announce a final winner uh, for anyone who tuned in tonight, hoping to find out who would win the coffee mug. I'm going to have to disappoint you and say that we'll we'll actually announce the winner of the coffee mug. What say Wednesday? <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. That, that that'll give you know, in case somebody wants to wants to chime in with something really good, we'll we'll, we'll give them time to do that. Just in the interest of fairness to all of our listeners, because uh, if we don't have fairness to our listeners, what have we got really? I mean, <laughs> that's right. Well, solutions to all the world's problems, but you know. Uh, in fact, speaking of which, let me just say that this is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're getting ready to solve three of the world's biggest problems. And if you have some ideas on that, would like to share, you can give us a call at 347-215-8972 or join us in our live online chat. Or if you're listening to this after the fact, please feel free to leave a comment on the blog. All right. So what's our first order of business to solve this evening, Stephen? Cancer, infectious diseases, uh, to include... Uh one of the big ones, dysentery. So yeah, yeah, we list we listed dysentery because that one always gets overlooked, and yet that's the one that uh, that that probably kills, uh, I believe, uh, statistically kills more people than any other disease. We know we know about uh, disease. You know, I've like heard AIDS. from another source it was malaria, but I, I I think if you put malaria and dysentery together, two diseases we don't really think about in this country, you, you know that. If you put those two together, those for sure are much bigger than anything that we deal with here in this country on a regular basis. That's absolutely so. right. In fact, malaria should be on the list. Um, yeah. Not to say that it's not tragic that a lot of people die of cancer and heart disease and AIDS and, and you know diabetes and any, any of the other diseases that you that you, that you might list. But um, but we we need to keep those sheer in mind numbers. Yeah, yeah. Um, because of the sheer numbers of people who uh, who are a victim of them. So. Um, do I take this one first, or do you have some thoughts? I'd like, I'd like to jump in on cancer. Uh, okay. The, the big thing that uh, we, you and I have been talking about uh, here over the last year or so is uh, cancer immunotherapy. And we got, we got the idea to, uh, you know, well, we, you actually got the opportunity to visit with Dr. Zhuing Shui. Is that uh -huh. his name? Dr. Zhuing Shui. Mm -hmm. Okay. And 
Um, he, of course, has been working on uh, cancer immunotherapy. And what this is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Phil, but what this is is you're actually taking a donation of uh, cells from a healthy uh, person's immune system and injecting them into a uh, cancer patient. And the idea is that that will uh, kill the cancer. And, um, and it, there's very promising animal models, and now they're, uh, my understanding also is that this summer they are doing human testing. Yeah, we, we, we know that, uh, uh, that Dr. Sweet is conducting his tests recently. I read about it on uh, uh, Brian Wang's uh, blog uh, not, not too long ago, that, that it is, it is uh, going on now, human trials with, with his procedure. Um, just just to back up just a little, his line of research actually came about accidentally through the discovery. He wasn't trying to discover this. The, the discovery of a mouse that could not be given cancer. He had uh, found a strain of mice and, and bred a strain of mice that um, can't catch. Na- well, not that there's a natural way to catch cancer, I suppose, but can't get ca- cancer naturally. And no matter how much cancer you injected them with. They wouldn't get cancer. They, 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 they wouldn't would simply, get sick, yeah. They, they wouldn't get sick. They, their bodies would simply reject it. They had a natural immunity to virtually any kind of cancer. And this led him to think, well, um, if, if it's possible that there's a mouse that's super immune to cancer, there, there, there must be a corollary in the human population. So he starts looking for um, uh, this, this level of immunity to cancer in human beings. And, and he is uh, taking... Uh, I, I'm trying to think of the word. Is it lymph, lymphocytes? It's uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, lymphocytes from the from the bloodstream. These are immune agents that um, apparently are very effective in some people at warding off cancer. He's he's taking those via a blood transfusion process. Um, in vitro, he has demonstrated that these are from some people devastating against cancer. Now he's going to take that same technique and apply it to actual human subjects who have cancer. And we're hoping that this is going to show some tremendous results and that, uh, that some people who are currently being treated, um, actually not being treated, I, I believe when, when we spoke he said that the parameters of the test were it would be people who have pretty much gotten to the end of their rope. So we're, we're hoping to see new hope for people who basically were done being treated for cancer because there was nothing more that they could do via this, via this treatment. So it's very exciting stuff. Um, and also, uh, at the same time, uh, another group of researchers, uh, according to the UK Telegraph, doing almost the same thing. But in this case, what they did is they had a they had a cancer patient, and they took cells from that cancer patient's own immune system. And apparently, you know, even a sick person has some ability to fight cancer within their own immune system, and. Uh, they found the cells that do it, and uh, they multiplied them in a petri dish, and, and until they had a whole bunch of them, a lot more than he had, he was able to produce naturally, I guess. Injected them back into him, and uh, he's he's well, uh, not sick any longer. And apparently, this guy was far gone. And so it's a very similar thing uh, to what uh, Dr. Shui was working on. And so that's a very very promising deal, and and apparently it could be used for all kinds of cancer. So. It's exciting. Well, what what I like about that is if you if you want to take this idea and extend it beyond beyond cancer, um, you know what what about just making a part of routine treatment for people, just just part of health maintenance, doing exactly that thing for all of us. Yeah. Um, you know, what if we just started taking our immune systems and building them up very strong? Um, 
one of the things Dr. Sweet and I talked about was the fact that uh, a similar treatment to what he's doing now for cancer might turn out to be effective against uh, heart disease, might be effective against a number of other potential diseases. So if you start talking about let's eliminate disease in the world, building up hum- human immunity, I think, would be a huge step in that direction and allowing people's uh, their own immune systems to become effective in fighting off cancer, fighting off other infectious diseases, I think would be one of two pillars uh, that, that uh, a clean, uh, an elimination of disease is, is going to require. I think the other pillar is something that we've already talked about. We talked about it last week. And I would explain it this way. You know, we talked about dysentery, malaria, and really, uh, to a large extent, AIDS. You know, where, where, where these where these diseases are really uh, profound in their effects on populations, where, where there's real devastation from these kinds of diseases, you know, what's the common, what's the common factor in those countries? Poverty. I exactly. Guess. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a, there, there is a lack of um, infrastructure, and in, in the case of dysentery, you know, there's just a lack of the, the kind of hygiene that we have around drinking water that keeps us from getting it. You know, you know why, why aren't we all always getting um, uh, uh, anthrax or, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of that, uh, cholera, right? You don't, you don't hear big cholera outbreaks in the U.S. anymore. It's because, you know, we've, we've, we've put, or in Western Europe or in, in, in uh, most developed parts of Asia, it's because we've got infrastructure for keeping the water clean from those elements by and large. And we, we've got uh, food processing that's, that's clean, uh, that, that, that sanitized against those things. So I think um, if you look at a, a trajectory of people dying from dysentery, people dying from malaria, people dying from a lot of these kinds of diseases, and economic development, you will see that as economies develop, deaths from those diseases are going to go down. So we work on poverty. We get back to Harvey's desalinization idea and, and some of the other ideas we talked about for addressing poverty and that will prevent a lot of those kinds of diseases. Then you add to that, let's start really super strengthening the human immune system, and I think we're on to uh, a world without disease. The other thing that excites me about Dr. Shui's uh, potential uh, breakthrough is that you know, there's not going to be the same kind of FDA process. You know, I mean, if you if you hear about some great blockbuster drug that might cure some disease or something, well, you can count on it having to go through trial after trial after trial before it's allowed to be released in this country at least. Uh, but with this, we're, all we're talking about is a blood transfusion. And uh, so if it works, then, you know, it, it might, you know, it, it might be standard practice uh, by this time next year, you know. It's, you know, we, it, it could be adopted very quickly. It, it could. It, it doesn't have hurdles to overcome that a, that a drug therapy would need to. And, and I'm thinking that probably what they did to that guy in the U.K. would be similar. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's building a culture out of his own body and putting it back in. I, you know, it's, there's still no manufacture of any drug involved there. So I would, I would think that uh, it's a little bit like blood banking, you know, uh, banking your own blood and then using it after surgery or something. It's very, very much the same process and, and therefore not, not subject to the same kind of hurdles. Exactly. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, and any rate, that's so. I guess that would be um, the thing that excites me the most about where we're going with cancer. Yeah, and and again, I think it probably carries over into a lot of other uh, a lot of other areas. And then generally, I guess I put I put us on a two a, a two legged stool. There's probably there probably is a third prong here, and and uh, Michael mentions it, which is uh, nanobiotech. That um, 
in addition to, I, I would say that, that building out human immunity and providing uh, sufficient uh, hygiene for for people around the world, that um, that there's there's probably just a level of technology that that needs to be developed. Um, you know, we've I mean we've heard it seems like every week you see a new breakthrough in terms of uh, cancer being treated with uh, nanoparticles or um, uh, nanotechnology uh, being looked at as a possible solution to uh, heart disease, a possible solution to diabetes. I think um, as as nanotechnology and biotechnology get closer to being convergent, and as we have technology that, that will be able to go in and actually rebuild cells at the molecular level, uh, at that point, you truly have the ability to conquer disease as we know it. Because uh, when, when, when we can go in and, and reconstitute you know, disease tissue at the cellular level, at the molecular level, um, you, you, you know, the, the, the disease has no quarter left, right? It's, it's not a matter of it can outsmart our immune system anymore. It's not a matter of, well, it'll sneak back in through the drinking water or something like that. At that point, if, if we're fighting it at, at that level, it, it seems to me that uh, that's as close to completely eliminating disease as we'll ever get. Well, I have another, uh, another thing on, uh, as far as infectious disease that uh, excites me. Um, there is a program... Uh, DARPA, uh, uh, our military is working on, called Unconventional Pathogen Counter Countermeasures Program. <laughs> what a great name! Yeah, well, all that. Uh, what it means is that the goal is 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 quite simply amazing. Uh, the the goal of the project is to create, um, well, super soldiers in a way that are resistant to all disease. And uh, the object of the game here is to dis is to find out what disease has in common. Uh, that and uh, find, find the Achilles heels, and it might be just one, you know, one thing that would you know uh, keep that uh, a whole uh, family of diseases from being able to be uh, to, to work within your body, and attack those diseases on that basis. And so um, that's what the that's what that's about. And of course, obviously, I, I would hope that it would get into the uh, the larger population as well. That's that's really interesting. Uh, so that that is an actual attempt to implement kind of what I was describing theoretically. Um, and what, what's interesting is it's coming from the military, and it has this kind of military feel to it. You know, I mean, this it's like we're rallying the the, the forces that are going to go in and combat the disease, right? It's got this kind of um, uh, even 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 from the name of it that, uh, that that you gave. So so it's not just in the realm of science fiction that we're seeing this kind of uh, technology being applied to um, the general problem of human disease. I mean, they're, they're looking at treating uh, injury and disease in a, in a very specific context. But, the, you know, per, per your point, um, this could be widely applied to, to the population. Right. That's right. Um, also, I mean, at the same time that, that that's going on uh, at the, in, within the military, um, we get this interesting article uh, about how HIV. Uh, we may there may be uh, they may have found the Achilles heel for HIV. Um, it's a uniquely clever virus. Uh, HIV is, and that's why it's so hard to combat. Um, and, and and what happens is uh, the the virus itself will mutate, so that the body can't really, you know, just as the body gets to where it can fight HIV in one form, it shows up in another form. And it continues to make you sick and kills you. Um, but there's the thing about the thing about HIV is that it has to, it has to keep one part of 
of the virus stable in order to operate at all. And um, these two doctors down in Houston have come up, uh, it's Dr. Paul and Dr. Miguel Escobar in Houston, have come up with, uh, have, have found, that, found that part, and they believe they have a, uh, found a way to exploit the weakness, um, and, uh, and, and, and it's called an abzine, abzyme, um, which is you know, re- related to the con- concept, uh, obviously, of enzyme, but an abzyme uh, um, is where is how they attack this thing, and not only not only does it kill, uh, it, what it'll do is an, uh, this abzyme will uh, attack a uh, the virus, completely disable it, so it's it's inert, and then it'll go on and and, and attack another virus. Huh. So it's not done after it attacks and kills one HIV virus within your body. It'll it'll go and keep going and keep going until it, it kills it all, and leaves it as an inert virus within your system. And that's and so obviously the, you know very excited about that and want to see that you know how that develops. So um, at this point we're we're fighting fire with fire. It sounds like I mean this is uh, this uh, this abzine is it a virus itself or it sounds like it acts like a virus? No, it is not a virus. What it is is it it just binds to and disables a, a certain instructional sequence that can't be um, that can't mutate. In order for the HIV to operate, it's got to have one portion of this instructions stable. It it goes in and basically erases those instructions, and then goes to the next virus and erases those instructions too. So it is a virus, and it's Maybe like a it computer is. virus. You know what I mean? I, it, yeah. And, 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 yeah. Biologically, it's not, but it's like a computer. It's like we're programming it, DNA with a computer virus, right? And, absolutely, and it's, it was engineered. This is uh, this this abzyme was was actually written in code. And then and then released into and and they they've got they've got human test subjects that's already working on so that's exciting that is extremely exciting that's that's some that's some great stuff so uh, we look forward to hearing more on that one I just want to say to uh, Will Brown he had asked a question uh, earlier and uh, yes Will that what what uh, what you described as uh, Brian's post is saying that is exactly how Dr. Sweet's uh, uh, methodology worked and so if I if I didn't uh, if I didn't cover that adequately I apologize to everyone listening in fact he is taking white blood cells from cancer resistant individuals and injecting them into into folks who have cancer that's where the lymphocyte uh, I'm, I'm not sure it is lymphocytes it might be called something else but it's some aspect it's something within the white blood cells it's not just the cells but it's it's something even more specific within them uh, that, that's that's being transfused in so clearly a lot of very positive signs for the elimination of disease that uh, i mean you know stephen we didn't even really have to come up with anything here all we had to do was talk about the great stuff that uh, people are already doing and it looks to me like um if not the total elimination of all disease at least tremendous progress in a number of really important fronts is uh, is underway right now well my money is on uh, intelligence i mean the thing is viruses are able to act smart but they're not really smart you know um and uh, we're operating at a different level uh, than you know these viruses that are evolved to kill us or to, to maim us. And, and I, I just I just feel like that ultimately uh, you know this has been a long haul, but ultimately uh, we'll, it's 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 going to be conquered. And so, anyway, long I think so too. Long, long term is uh, looking bright. It's looking very bright. This is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're solving the world's problems. We've got two more to solve. If you've got some thoughts on how to help us do that, give us a call at 347-215-8972 or join us in our online chat. And we're now going to move on to, uh, I think we're on to war now. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right, ending war. 
Okay. Okay. Well, well, now you got to go first. Yeah, that's right. You get get war. You're you're just all over the place. Now, I've I've got this whole war thing figured out. Um, (laughs) Actually, um, uh, I I was talking with my wife about this list of problems that we were going to solve before uh, the program last week. And I said, well, it's just, you know, it's outrageous what we're doing. We're talking about solving all the world's problems. She says, like what? And I said, well, like how to end war. And she goes, well, that's simple. Nuke them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think ultimately uh, that might not, that might be uh, a bit problematic. <laughs> well, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to, we're brainstorming here, so we don't want to throw anything off the table. So I guess, you know, a preemptive first strike against everybody, right, With, as as an approach to ending war, I think uh, you know. In addition to the huge moral problems uh, with with uh, with that suggestion, I, I don't know if she's able to listen tonight or not. But uh, if you're listening, see, I told you I'd talk about this. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think the um, I, I think the, the the real problem is that assuming anybody's left, there's still a good chance they're going to fight with each other. That's the that's the real problem. I, you know, you you, you can you, you can you can do an you can do away with an awful lot of uh, the uh, violence in the world by killing uh, most of the population. But uh, unfortunately, having taken that step forward, if you want to call it forward, having taken that horrible step, uh, whoever's left, they're still going to be fighting each other, right? So no doubt that's true. We've got a caller. So let me oh, okay. All right. Hello, you're on Fast Forward Radio. Hi, this is Will Brown. Hi, Will. How are you? <laughs> I'm just fine. Welcome yeah. to the program, Will. Well, thank you very much. Um, other than trying to solicit that Elusive speculist link. <laughs> uh, you, the thing on war is interesting. Uh, as you know, at least uh, as Stephen knows, I write quite a bit on strategy, uh, particularly Sun Tzu's uh, writing on that. Right. And uh, one of the things I think is most people don't really take very well into consideration is that war is basically a failure of the normal human condition of, of, or of of practicing a normal human condition well, I think, might be a way of putting it. It's conflict is, you know, is intrinsic to the nature. Is this going across at all well? Yeah, uh, yeah, we can, we can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, basically, okay, fundamental strategy. All human beings are a unique individual position, and strategy is nothing more than positional advancement. That is advancing your position or your uh, your associations positions as a country, a, a business, whatever. It's all positional advancement. It's as simple and complex as the game of Go. And I'm not going to try and explain that here because I'm a terrible Go player. But it's it's not at all st- structured like the game of chess is. But it's basically just positional advancement. And if how you go about advancing your position over the interests of others, over your your, your present-day position. That's how we all get through life. And well, now, Will, well, let, me, let, me, let me check you on this, Will, because that, sure. that, that, that's an interesting point. Uh, one of the old chestnuts you hear sometimes, and it's close enough to being true that you can almost say it, but it's not entirely true. But uh, one of the things you hear is that democracies don't attack democracies, right? Have you ever heard that one? It's a, kind of a, you know, the, they don't go to – so, like, we wouldn't go – Invade Canada and have a war with them, for example. Um, and and, and if, if that's if that's true, 
is it because uh, if we're engaging in positional advancement against a country like Canada or Sweden or somebody like that, we're doing it in a different uh, uh, a different substrate than uh, back in the days when we might have you know in the War of 1812 when we were actually having a having a shooting war. I, I guess the question is, can can you advance your position? Uh, using economic means or mimetic means or some other means and eliminate the the let's go kill them so that we can have our way with the world kind of uh, approach. Well, okay, let's go kill them is the ultimate failure of all your other options. Right. So, yes, to answer your question in short, yes. Um, I just read recently that uh, Alaska's governor, I forget her name, Sarah Palin? I think that's right, yeah. Uh, uh, she just uh, approved, signed legislation in Alaska that uh, authorizes a gas pipeline, uh, or authorizes the, the Alaska to pay a, a um, to, to pay a Canadian company to build a, a gas pipeline, so that Alaska's gas, which has been trapped because there's no way to get it out of the state, essentially, or out of the ground, into a market, now be piped to America, to the you know, lower 48. Sorry. Alaskans, you're Americans too. <laughs> so that's an example of uh, advancing Alaska's position because their oil, their traditional oil income is you know is declining as their oil fields are being pumped out, and their gas fields just essentially sat there because there was no option for them to get it to market. Well, now there's an option. There's an example of how you do that without actually going to war. They've advanced uh, Alaska's position. Yeah. And so they, you know, some some arrangement was made with Canada, and they're going to bring it through Canada, but uh, it didn't involve us having to shoot anybody, and Canada was probably enriched as well. Oh yeah, they get at least a five hundred million dollars subsidy to their pipeline yeah. building industry, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, there are lots of ways for strategy to offer options short of war, short of actual violence, but you're never going to get away from the potential for it because all human interaction is based on that basic competition of personal advancement or associative, your family, all this. All of this is all variations on that same basic primary fundamental uh, concept of positional advancement. And it can get extraordinarily complex, but the basic concept remains fundamental. Well, it seems to me that um, that the growth of uh of of a like worldwide uh, information infrastructure and um a kind of a shared economy kind of a global economy provides lots more options for advancing a position than than would have existed when when you didn't have those things you think about the olympics coming up and in so many ways china is going to be advancing its position on, on, in in a number of different places primarily just uh, one of one of its big ideas that it wants to get across to the to the world is, you know, we have really come of age. We are really important. We are really capable of doing things. You know, all, all these messages that that they want to get across. Um, there was a time when, if a country wanted to get the point across to the rest of the world that they were a big deal, uh, about the only way to do that would be to go in and take all their stuff, right, and flatten them out and tell them, from now on, you pay tribute to me. But now, arguably, China is is going to be doing that over the next few weeks um, without a shot being fired. And, you know, does, does advancing position in the media age uh, offer the opportunity to, uh, to to advance position peacefully? Well... 
Um, yes, but, you know, there's always qualifications to any of this. Uh, you can advance, you have more, we have, all have greater opportunity through the web or et cetera. Uh, your China example with the Olympics is a good one in that it, it, China can promote its advancement, but it can't actually achieve its advancement without cooperation from somebody else. So the Olympics provides them with, you know, hosting the Olympics in Beijing provides them with a platform for achieving those sort of links. But, again, China really can't do much outside of its own borders without the cooperative action of somebody else. So that's a good example of how you can achieve those links. And as you said, you know, the IT industry, it's generally the web. Um, all this is great. All the knowledge we get from reading Brian Wang's uh, website is all wonderful and helps us in deciding how we might choose to advance, but it doesn't necessarily provide us with the means to. That still relies on our direct, more uh, historically uh, pertinent opportunity. So um, what do you make of – are you familiar with the, um, the, the research that shows that generally, in an evolutionary sense, uh, human beings are – Less violent today than we were in earlier eras, and that uh, and, and that the trend has been for uh, people to be less likely to die at the hands of their fellow human beings today than they were a hundred years ago or ten thousand years ago, et cetera, and and and, and on back. Do, do you think that there is a a component of we are evolving away from this, or and, and if so, how would that factor into um, to, to the the like general idea of how, how we how we find alternative means of advancing our positions. Well, yeah, I'm generally familiar with what you're talking about. I'm no like nobody's description an expert on it. Um, I would think that you know my own impression is that we are not genetically, you know, uh, evolving away from that. We're all still as prone to individual you know acts of violence as we ever were. Societally, I think there are, uh, you know, the society evolves as well do individuals biologically, I would think. Um, and I would think that the, the societal or social expectations we all have to inhibit our own urges to individual violence have increased over time. Is that... Uh, yeah, yeah. Did that come across I, at all sensible? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I agree completely. Yeah, I, 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 I do too. I think that's. Yeah, I think that's what we're talking about. I don't think that we've. Uh, I don't think that we've evolved as a uh, as a species. Uh, yeah, I think we've evolved as a civilization. Right. We, we've we've evolved as uh, as a culture uh, or a, a set of cultures away from away from violence. Yeah, I, I would agree that um, the the humans who were much more likely to be murdered than we are 10,000 years ago or 50,000 years ago, genetically aren't really all that different from us. Um, but what's happened is it seems that, that we've uh, developed in our thinking alternative approaches, which helps a lot. And then we've built this infrastructure, which provides a lot more choices, too. And, and it seems that the, the more alternatives you have to settling conflicts via violence, um, the more likely you are to pick one that's that's not violence. Just because there's, if you want to look at it in economic terms, just because there's so much uh, opportunity cost associated with doing things the violent way. Um, if you can advance your position without having to sacrifice a whole generation of your nation's young men, then 
you know, or young women or, you know, half your population, whatever ends up happening, depending on whether you win or lose the, the particular war, um, you're just that much better off. You know, even if it's being done out of purely uh, rational self-interest reasons, that seems to be the, 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 the logical direction that, uh, that humanity is heading. It seems to me, Phil, that... It seems to me, Phil, that we uh, our, our wars are becoming uh, progressively uh, less bloody in a way. I mean, we, um, you know, World War II, we we had, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't have any idea how, what our casualties were, but it was it was it was less in, in every progressive war since then. And now, um, in, in Iraq, uh, where are we at now? Uh, is it uh, between it, four and five thousand? Between four and five thousand now. Um, and you know, it seems that our tolerance for uh, for losing losing uh, soldiers in wars is is becoming less. Uh, but it's, you know, and we expect to accomplish more with with fewer with fewer deaths, with fewer uh, people killed. That's right. Yeah. Well, we talked about this once a while back when you had uh, you you had uh, been to a reenactment of a civil war battle, and we That's noted right. that at that time. Uh, and I think this is still the case, that more people died in that civil war battle than had died in the entire Iraq war up to that point. Um, and uh, just the, the kind of difference in mindset and expectations around what, you know, what is an acceptable or what is a tolerable amount of uh, violence, I think, is, has completely changed for us as a, as a society. And I think that's good. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's really where you want to be heading, right, is uh, that, that uh, if people are going to die in, in the service of some cause, um, that um, there, you know, th- that's that's a form of I don't know if it's inflation or deflation. I don't know how you look at it, but that but that is definitely the right direction to be moving in. If you're saying, we yeah, we want to accomplish more good with fewer people having to to like die it, as a result of, yeah, of advancing our sacrifice. That's right, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think well, thank you. I think oh, one thing I want to inject on this is that there is a. I think there's an, a, a growing expectation of our uh, technological capability exceeding our previous demands or our previous expectations so that we don't, we're not willing, we're, we're becoming more and more less willing to accept the necessity for uh, personal sacrifice, you know, death or uh, injury uh, to you know, invading the beach or whatever. The Civil War battle is a good example. Right. Uh, that we're expecting our technology to permit us to achieve our ends. And this is a, an alternative way of advancing your position without actually having to, to uh, sacrifice your life or, or someone else's. So that's becoming more and more uh, a widespread expectation on people's part, I think. And as more technology is exposed to other people, around the world by a uh, uh, U.S. Coast Guard operating off Nigeria, for example. I saw that recently in the news. Yeah, all sorts of examples of that, of the U.S. Navy responding to, what was it, uh, Brunei, when they had that uh, 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 typhoon last year, earlier mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of example where there are technological alternatives if you'll cooperate with us to actually invading your country to save you. So yeah. the, you know, the strategy offers all sorts of alternatives to the, the study of the arts of war, but ultimately you're going to have to, you know, people are going to have to believe in your capability on the basic premise of, of uh, you know, forcing your advancement before they're willing to you know, more seriously consider your alternatives, I think. 
I wrote something about that just recently. <laughs> Well, we'll, we'll, I, I, we'll link to it. Uh, Will, what's the, what is, what's the title of your post? Oh, um, will there be war? Question mark. It's a play on a Jerry Fornell title. There will be war. Um, will, we got to let you go because we got another call. Okay. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right. That. Thanks a lot, Will. We appreciate that. And um, Stephen, before we introduce our next caller, let me just say this is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're solving the world's problems. We're talking a little bit about uh, how to solve war right now. Uh, and if you'd like to join the conversation, there's still time to give us a call at 347-215-8972 or join the online chat. Hello, caller. Welcome to Fast Forward Radio. Well, I'm not a new caller. This is uh, Michael. I got crashed out of the uh, <laughs> out of the chat and out of the uh, call, so I just called back in, and I look like a new caller. <laughs> okay. Sorry about oh, that. Oh, that's so disappointing. We thought, uh, now here comes the definitive answer. To <laughs> all, Somebody all jumping apologies. the gun on the environment. That's funny. Okay. Okay, well, uh, we're still glad to have you in any case, even though Thank it's a little you. bit I of a should, letdown. Uh, I should have jumped in when uh, when Will first started talking because I couldn't hear what he said about where he was blogging, but I Googled uh, positional advancement, in quotes, and the name Will Brown and got four or five hits. One of them is Where There's a William, which is his blog where he just wrote Will There Be a War. So I put that up in the chat. All right, appreciate that. Excellent, and we'll of course have a link to to Will's blog in the in the show notes as well. Well, actually, I think that that uh, that discussion got us to the two things that I would have said about ending war anyway, uh, which is basically that uh, uh, economic development and technological advancement seem to give us alternatives that that we want to adopt, and that as a culture we seem to shift away from it. That there there, there just seems to be this inclination not to not to want to kill people or not to want to be killed if if there are alternatives. So so we get the alternatives via economic and technological development and we take them I guess because basically there's a you know there's a natural human desire to avoid death and killing if 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 there are other things available for us. Did did you have any other thoughts on that Stephen? Well, I, I think that, I think we got actually a three-legged stool. We got uh, uh economic development, uh democratic development, free societies. Uh, and uh, also education of the populace, and uh, you, you have all three of those, uh, then you got you're going to end up with a society that uh, avoids war. And, and at that point, you know, competes with other competes with other nations uh, in different ways. Right. Yeah, that advances its position via other means. Um, right. And, and at that point, it starts to sound an awful lot like the the ideas we came up with for combating terrorism, doesn't it? Yes, it does. There's there's an awful lot in common between the two, and in fact, we know that terrorism is a form of warfare. They call it asymmetrical warfare. Um, and so I guess really we were talking about a particular kind last week, and now we're talking about the, the overall topic here this week. But that's okay. We're, we're, allowed to, uh, we're allowed to break it up that way. Yeah, but I, I think you're right. I think that, that those, are the, those are the factors that really come into play. And when I talk about economic development, I should, um, I should broaden that to, uh, to include the idea that from my standpoint, economic development means – um, a, a growing economy where uh, where uh, markets are more or less free, and what follows that, or what seems to naturally follow that, is that individuals become more or less free, and that both of those things have to uh, have to be in place. And yeah, I think people have to be have to be educated. Um, th- those those things all start falling into place, and suddenly you've got people in the world wanting to interact with other people in the world, not necessarily destroy or control or change other people in the world. That, that seems to be the, uh, the, the big shift that we're, that we're looking for in, in order to make warfare go away. Right. 
Okay, well, we've just got a few minutes left, and, um, you know, the, the, this is uh, last but not least, uh, going to solve the environment. Uh, Stephen, go. Okay. Uh, clean up the environment. I think uh, what we got hand in hand here is the uh, is the energy problem and the environment problem. Uh, uh, what we got to have, obviously, to uh, for any developed society, you need a lot of energy to power a society like that. But in the process of creating energy, um, you end up, you know, sometimes making a mess. And Obviously, how do we get past that? Well, uh, there are forms of uh, of energy that are less uh, uh, less are less dirty than others. Uh, obviously, uh, coal-fired uh, power plants uh, uh, are really not one of the cleanest ways of making electricity. For example, uh, solar, wind, nuclear uh, would all be cleaner. Um, natural gas is very clean when it's burned. Uh, so, those are those are uh, some possibilities as well. So. I guess uh, moving towards those types of uh, power and things like uh, you know moving towards what we call the so, uh, solar singularity, where solar actually becomes cheaper than grid power. Uh, as we move towards that, uh, you know, and, and once that's achieved, obviously you, you've uh, that's a huge milestone there. So absolutely, yeah. I think energy is um, the 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 big component. I mean, it's the big thing that something has to be done about if we're if we're really going to uh, get serious about the environment. But there there are other things too. Uh, you 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 need um, for there not to be industrial pollutants. Uh, you need you need to do something about um, landfill, about about garbage, uh, water pollution, those kinds of things. Largely solved problems in the U.S. and in in most of the most of the developed world, or at least uh, well that that's a most of the West, put it that way, the, the, some, some parts of the developing world in the East uh, have, have, have come along with tremendous infrastructure, and they're kind of getting caught up now on the idea of um, not polluting the water, uh, what, what you want to put into the air, that kind of stuff. So, so I think uh, energy, energy is a piece of it, uh, the big piece, uh, because that's really where most of the pollution gets done. It, it's it's in, 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 the, in the form of uh, producing energy. Um, but but ultimately we need technology that will um that that will produce goods without so much waste and we need uh, a means of making good use of our waste now interestingly energy brings us back to that in one way uh when we talk about things like uh, cellulosic ethanol when we say hey let's take all these grass clippings let's take all this waste paper and uh, recycling is is one thing you can do with with some forms of waste but you, there's no recycling of 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 grass clippings and um, I know we're supposed to compost, but I would, you know, I, I think if I re, if I composted all my grass clippings, I'd have about eight feet of topsoil in my backyard. I just I don't know what I would do with it all. Um, but 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 I like the idea of um, taking taking that organic waste, taking um, any carbon-based waste that's that's uh, that's coming, you know, that I would normally just throw away, and all of that becoming energy. That is one very straightforward way. To have a, a much uh, cleaner environment because it, it, it's like we're kind of using it as we go at that point. Then um, the other thing is we look, I think, ahead to nanotechnology providing the ability to go in and make use of resources that before we would have just discarded. I think that in the future, when, when we have technology um, of about the same level of advancement, we're talking about going in and working on cells individually. Um, you'll also be able to go in and, and 
take a, uh, a landfill and say, this is a treasure trove. Look at all the resources that are available here in terms of metals, in terms of um, potential fuel, in, in terms of just, you know, a rep rap uh, dream come true. You know, you, right. could, you, you could build a whole city out of a landfill if you could get in there and make good use of, of the stuff that's in there. And Along those same lines, Phil, I mean, for example, uh, CO2 being uh, pumped into the atmosphere presently from things like a coal-burning plant. Um, you know, the, the idea now is to we could take that CO2, and that's, and that's useful in the production of something like, um, you know, fuels for using algae. Algae needs uh, concentrations of CO2 that are greater than what we can get out of the atmosphere easily. And so, uh, what, you know, why not uh, have it uh, take the smoke from a uh, coal-burning power plant and use that CO2 to uh, to to make fuel with uh, with with algae? So it's just another example of using things that were formerly waste uh, to our advantage. Exactly right. Yeah, uh, and, and you reach this point where you're not really producing much waste anymore because just about everything that would be discarded has a use, and it gets put to that use. And once you've achieved that, and I'm talking about doing it um, uh, by, a, uh, by a highly advanced technology, you achieve this ideal that others talk about achieving via renunciation of technology, which is true sustainability and, and a true uh, uh, constructive interaction with nature, which, which I don't think we can achieve uh, with technology unless it's much more advanced than the technology that we have. So, I, uh, so I heard a, a saying when I was a kid. Uh, Gardner told me this one time. I, I, you know, he said, you know, a weed is is a, just a plant that uh, we have not yet found its use. There you go. Yeah. So uh, you know, same thing. Uh, any kind of waste ultimately could be a resource. You know? All this trash could could be could be resources, and we end up um, with sufficiently advanced technology in a world where there's just there's simply no such thing as waste. Everything has a use, and everything gets put to that use. That's that's my solution to the environment. We didn't even get to, uh, obviously, you can, you can use that technology to clean up water. Uh, and down the road, I, I don't know if we, if, if we had this on the list, but uh, we, can, uh, we can bring back uh, uh, habitats, we can bring back species that are on the verge of extinction, and ultimately, all of Jurassic Park, we can even bring back ex uh, species that have been lost to extinction up to this point. It's all on the roadmap. If, uh, if, if, if we follow uh, that, that level of uh, uh, technology. And yes, Michael, dino burgers may at some point in the very near future be on the menu. So I've got just one more thought on the environment. Uh, in the May, Wired, uh, May edition of the Wired magazine, they had a major article entitled Inconvenient Truths, Get Ready to Rethink What It Means to Be Green. And they, they, went, they went through a multiple, you know, multitude of uh, like, you know, green myths and, and de debunked them. And uh, one of one of them was uh, urban living. You know, they said is not the dirty way to live. Urban living is the greenest possible way to to live on this planet. Is to live in a urban environment, and uh, it's just a lot greener than than driving two and a half mile, two and a half hours to work every day. That's great. I'd like to see the link to that because I think that what that speaks to is is the idea that that, that I'm getting at is a major philosophical shift that I think is about to occur. Uh, at least I hope it, 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 it's in the process of occurring, which is that technology is not the enemy of green. Technology is the friend of green. And, and in fact, we're going to get green by advancing technology, not by, not by trying to shut it down. And, and, for those, and for those who would disagree, I invite them to take a trip to, the thir you know, to any developing country 
and compare, uh, you know, uh, how dirty their environment is compared to ours. Exactly. Um, and, and are, are the environment of any developed country in the world. Uh, developed nations are cleaner by far than, uh, than, than poor nations. And, and that's because, like, like what we talk about, we have options. It, once, once, once you get to a certain level of economic uh, development, you've got options that you didn't have before. And one of those well, you options can, you that can you can afford have, to care. You can yeah, afford is to, to say, hey, you know what? We really shouldn't be messing up the forests. You know, we shouldn't be dumping pollutants in the water. We we want to take care of that so that our kids can enjoy it too. And uh, yeah, I think that that is exactly the trend. Well, we're we're hitting uh, hard on our time here, so I'm going to shift gears and say, what uh, what music did you find for us on here? The second of two parts in which we talked about how to solve all the world's problems. The name of the song is Hello Morning, and the uh, the artist is Mutlu. Mutlu. M-U-T-L-U. Mutlu. Mutlu. Hello Morning. Okay, that sounds like exactly the kind of uh, song we'll be singing here once we've solved all the world's problems. So, uh, great stuff, Stephen. Looking forward to the show notes on that. Any any final parting thoughts on uh, solving all the world's problems? Man, I, I thought we were we were uh, you know this was this could be a, could have been a fiasco when we started this uh, last week, but it, it, it's been very interesting. It has, and I'm I'm so grateful to our listeners for their uh, thoughtful comments in the chat, for our callers, and uh, for any comments that that get left. We will be announcing the winner of the coveted coffee cup come Wednesday. But uh, thank thank you all very much, and thanks uh, Michael for uh, uh, keeping things going there in the chat room, and and to everyone in the chat. Okay. All right, and we will look forward to being with you all on the next Fast Forward Radio. Good night.